This is section 39 of Mark Twain, A Biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Volume 1, Part 1, 1835 to 1866. Chapter 39 Philosophy and Poetry. There was a side to Samuel Clemens that in those days few of his associates saw. This was the poetic, the philosophic, the contemplative side. Joseph Goodman recognized this phase of his character, and, while he perhaps did not regard it as a future literary asset, he delighted in it, and in their hours of quiet association together encouraged its exhibition. It is rather curious that, with all his literary penetration, Goodman did not dream of a future celebrity for Clemens. He afterward said, "'If I had been asked to prophesy which of the two men, Dan de Quill or Sam, would become distinguished, I should have said de Quill. Dan was talented, industrious, and, for that time and place, brilliant. Of course, I recognize the unusualness of Sam's gifts, but he was eccentric and seemed to lack industry. It is not likely that I should have prophesied fame for him then. Goodman, like McFarlane in Cincinnati, half a dozen years before, though by a different method, discovered and developed the deeper vein. Often the two, dining together in a French restaurant, discussed life, subtler philosophies, recalled various phases of human history, remembered and recited the poems that gave them especial enjoyment. The Burial of Moses, with its noble phrasing and majestic imagery, appealed strongly to Clemens, and he recited it with great power. The first stanza in particular always stirred him, and it stirred his hearer as well. With eyes half-closed and chin lifted, a lighted cigar between his fingers, he would lose himself in the music of the stately lines. By Nemo's lonely mountain, on this side Jordan's wave, in a vale in the land of Moab, there lies a lonely grave. And no man knows that sepulchre, and no man saw it e'er, for the angels of God upturned the sod and laid the dead man there. Another stanza that he cared for almost as much was the one beginning, And had he not high honor the hillside for a pall to lie in state while angels wait with stars for tapers tall and the dark rock pines like tossing plumes over his bier to wave and god's own hand in that lonely land to lay him in the grave Without doubt he was moved to emulate the simple grandeur of that poem, for he often repeated it in those days, and somewhat later we find it copied into his notebook in full. It would seem to have become to him a sort of literary touchstone, and in some measure it may be regarded as accountable for the fact that, in the fullness of time, he made use of the purest English of any modern writer. These are Goodman's words 
though william dean howells has said them also in substance and brander matthews and many others who know about such things goodman adds the simplicity and beauty of his style are almost without a parallel except in the common version of the bible which is also true one is reminded of what macaulay said of milton there would seem at first sight to be no more in his words than in other words but they are words of enchantment no sooner are they pronounced than the past is present and the distance near new forms of beauty start at once into existence and all the burial places of the memory give up their dead one drifts ahead remembering these things the triumph of words the mastery of phrases lay all before him at the time of which we are writing now he was twenty-seven at that age rudyard kipling had reached his meridian samuel clemens was still in the classroom everything came as a lesson phrase form aspect and combination nothing escaped unvalued the poetic phase of things particularly impressed him once at a dinner with goodman when the lamplight from the chandelier struck down through the claret on the tablecloth in a great red stain he pointed to it dramatically look joe he said the angry tint of wine it was at one of these private sessions late in sixty two that clemens proposed to report the coming meeting of the carson legislature he knew nothing of such work and had small knowledge of parliamentary proceedings formerly it had been done by a man named gillespie but gillespie was now clerk of the house goodman hesitated then remembering that whether clemens got the reports right or not he would at least make them readable agreed to let him undertake the work end of chapter thirty nine philosophy and poetry read by john greenman